Hey there, friends. Jay Revel here. Welcome to another edition of Mid-Am Crisis. I sure am glad to have you listening in, as always. And today I've got a wonderful episode for you. Uh, it's one that came together a little bit at the last minute, uh, but I think you're really going to like it. Uh, earlier uh, today, actually, uh, I had a chance to catch up with my good friend, Sean Martin, senior editor, PGATour.com. Uh, Sean is in Tokyo, and he is covering the men's medal tournament at the 2021 Olympic Games. Very excited for him to have the opportunity to go over there uh, and do that. He's been uh, pinging me all week, giving me some updates from the ground, uh, and I'm really excited to share some of those with you uh, via our conversation. It took him 30 hours to get there. We're going to dive into all that, which is a, a fun thing to listen to, but he's got lots of great takes uh, on what's happening there in Tokyo when the tournament's a very intimate experience, obviously with no fans. So he's got an opportunity to really get close up and uh, personal with some of the world's best golfers as they're pursuing a gold medal uh, and really uh, any medal for some. Uh, so very, very cool opportunity to get a chance to catch up uh, with Sean. Obviously a big time difference. So we got to catch up really just as he got back to his uh, very tiny hotel room uh, after the second round was completed. So we got to talk about the tournament, where it stands halfway through, what we expect over the weekend, and all the things that he's experiencing there uh, at the Tokyo Olympics, which is just awesome. So, um, as always, the show is brought to you by my friends at Imagine Golf. I actually was on uh, a call with them last night. They're doing some really cool things there. My friend Malcolm Scovel, the founder of Imagine Golf, is just a, a brilliant mind when it comes to how can we use uh, technology available to us today to help people learn how to think better on and off the golf course. I'm mean, really excited about some of the things they're going to start rolling out here over the uh, the rest of 2021 and beyond. Just if you haven't had a chance, folks, I, I can't encourage you enough to go and download the Imagine Golf app. If you can just take three minutes a day, imagine three minutes a day to improve your game. If you're like me, you don't have time for range balls. You probably don't have time to practice very much. I literally am recording this as I'm sitting at the hospital parking lot, just leaving the final ultrasound before my second child is born. Uh, time is running out for me to be able to practice, but Imagine Golf gives me an opportunity to spend three to five minutes a day in deep focus, thinking about how I play the game. Uh, and it's just really has incredible results for me. Last week, I shot my lowest round of the year, first time under the par in 2021. And again, it's certainly not my practice routine that's getting me there. It's helping, uh, though, that I get to listen to Imagine Golf every day. So give, definitely check that out. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, I, I just, again, can't encourage you highly enough to do so. And thanks to them for supporting the show. So without further ado, I want to turn things over to my interview with Sean Martin, uh, an update from on the ground at the 2020 uh, or 2021 um, Olympic Games in Tokyo. We're talking about the medal competition for the men, uh, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, as always, for listening. It's Martin. Yo. How you doing, pal? Konnichiwa. <laughs> How are things in the land of the rising sun? Uh, it's good. It's been quite the trip. Um, it's nice to get some, some golf underway. Uh, and 
I just I can't believe it's almost feels like I've been here forever, but I'm also kind of sad that it's coming to an end. Uh, at least my trip is. Well, I know you. Uh, let's see. How long was your your journey to get to Tokyo? Door to door was thirty hours. Uh, <laughs> the longest flight was the thirteen hour flight from Chicago to Tokyo, with about ten people on it. It felt like. And then the harder part was the ten hours from landing in Tokyo to get into our hotel. Oh man, is it rolled uh, in about midnight local time? A little chaotic on the ground over there, or what's the? It was. There's there's just a lot of a lot of protocols were put into place for COVID, um, and I think as we got nearer, I think probably the, the government realized that they could not maybe fulfill everything that they had intended. Uh, rules wise there was just a ton of paperwork you had to fill out to get into the country there was a ton of, of paperwork that you just you know documentation covid tests um, an activity plan of where you're going to be there's plenty of articles on the internet about i think some of what happened with activity plans not being approved in time um, i mean i took off thursday there was some doubt whether or not we should even try to get into the country whether we should even leave jacksonville so it's it was a stressful um stressful time just getting here um so much paperwork to fill out leading into it and just hard to get questions with a time difference a language barrier um and then a, a ton of bureaucracies involved um, but we're here we made it uh you know i've gotten to see every round of the competition so far um i would have liked to have been you know maybe not quarantined for three days in my hotel but obviously these are very strange times the government's trying to do what it, it can what it thinks it should do uh in these times but yeah, it's, it's, it's such an a, interesting trip. Just another day on the tour beat, huh? Yeah, this has been definitely the most interesting um, trip of my, my life. I mean, it's my third one to Asia for golf. Uh, I went to the original Asia Pacific Amateur. A little bit, that's probably the genesis of uh, the Hideki um, connection, Hideki love that people see on my Twitter if they do follow me. He was not in the field there, but um, that was an interesting one too. I flew into Hong Kong, tournament was in China. Um, that was actually, at least here, I was traveling with my friend, uh, our photographer for pjtour.com, Kater Kamar, um, who people should follow on the Instas and the Twitter for, for great mm -hmm. content from here. But traveled to China by myself. You, you get out at customs going from Hong Kong to China, and the driver just says, oh, I'll meet you on the other side. You just wait in line at customs, hope you get through okay, and hope your driver is there because I don't know what would happen if he wasn't. But mm. um, always an adventure, you know, going to China, you, you go to or Asia, you go to Europe, you know, you can kind of understand the language on the signs and what people are saying. But you know, you get to a, an Asian country, China, Japan, <laughs> you have no idea what those signs say. And that can always make it kind of interesting. So I, um, I commandeered a, um, office chair, uh, that I'm sitting in as we speak from a, uh, sort of abandoned office down the hall, uh, because I noticed that it had this massage capability. I was like, Hey, this is, sure. this is big, big time. Well, I got it all set up and plugged in and I pulled the remote out the other day and everything on the remote is written in Japanese of all of all things. So I have no idea what I'm doing to myself over here with this back thing. But, you know, so that's my attempt to relate to what you're going through. But, you know, not quite on the same level. Well, I told someone I'm just so tired of not knowing exactly what I'm eating. <laughs> you know, you get a little piece of meat, it's a little chewy. And you just kind of wonder. Yeah. Um, I love Japanese food. It's been great. Uh but just, you know, it'd be nice to just know exactly what you're putting in your mouth. Yeah, it would. Now, how are your accommodations and, and how far away are you from the golf course itself? 
you know, Gary Player said that he loves uh, the Japanese culture because of its efficiency, which I could uh-huh. definitely see based on his personality. And, and they are a very efficient culture. They're very task-oriented. Um, my hotel room, I would describe it as efficient. Uh, they packed a lot into a little space here. So uh, it's pretty small. Um, the three days of quarantine were interesting. I kind of paced. I think I could get about five steps from my wall to my door and it would just kind of pace back and forth to get a little bit of uh, activity, get the blood flowing, get uh, moving after being in the <clears throat> in the airplane for so long. I'm sure you uh, were I did, just going I back caught- to the... Uh- I was going to say, I'm sure you were just going through the catalog of Mid-Am Crisis episodes, you know, catching up over the last, you know, nine months and, and, and reveling in the fact that you are now, by wow, this is a big deal. First two-time guest? First two-time guest. All right. Take that, Alan Shipnuck. <laughs> um, I did, no, I, unfortunately, I did not. I did, however, get introduced to Ted Lasso. So now I'm hip. Oh, yeah. You can just stay in the hotel the rest of the time and watch that. Have well, you I've gotten through ca- season two yet? Uh, they release them weekly. So I think an episode came out today. The second, um, that's good. Second episode of season two. The problem is now we face, you know, great decisions in life. My seven day trial ends tomorrow. So the real question (laughs) is, do I want to fork over the $5 for another month or do I just want to be content with the 10 episodes I've watched? I've seen, well, season one, fabulous. Uh, first episode season two, I've watched great. Um, Big, big on the Ted Lasso scene. There's a huge contingency of Ted Lasso fans in the golf Twitter world. Well, it was actually, it was Kyle Porter's Ted Lasso reference in his open championship game story that finally tipped me over the edge. That was my tipping point. I love it. I love it. So uh, tell me what you think so far about uh, the uh, Kasumi Gaseki Country Club. Sorry, let me reach for my Japanese Guinness. I figured you'd appreciate that. I do appreciate that. I, I might need you to, can you smuggle those back? Uh, probably not. I think that would be illegal. Probably would blow up in the suitcase. Maybe I'll take the can. Maybe get you in the uh, import-export business a little bit on this trip. Um, Kasumi Gaseki, you know, it's funny in a way. Uh, I had this thought early on, and I've seen a lot on Twitter. It is very much uh, reminiscent of Quail Hollow and uh, Akron, um, which has been, this is why I wrote about today, been greatly to Rory McIlroy's benefit. By the time this publishes, who knows if that'll stay stay true. Um, it's a Charles Allison design, which I first off, I have to recommend if everyone wants more info on Charles Allison to read the Fried Eggs uh, biography of Harry Colt. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Colt, you know, basically the guy who probably invented course architecture as a profession. You know, before you had kind of your professionals um, who designed as a side hobby along with club building and, you know, uh, wrapping gutta perches and, you know, probably killing the geese to get the feathers to stuff in the balls and, and that sort of thing. Um, but Colt made it in a profession with a lot of the Heathland courses, joined forces with Allison, eventually with McKenzie to form Colt, Allison and McKenzie. And sort of like McKenzie is known for his Australia trip where, you know, Royal Melbourne, Kingston Heath were built. Allison uh, had a similar impact in Japan, came over here, uh, Kasumi Gaseki, old school club, probably I'm not telling people anything that they don't know from Bama Bearcats Twitter. If they do follow <laughs> um, old club, 1929, first 36 hole facility uh, in Japan. So maybe the Japanese winged foot. Um, and really, so his bunkers are known as Allison's in Japan still to this day, just very deep penal bunkers. And um, 
I don't know how much Allison is left in the course after Tom Fazio redid it in 2016. There's the bunkers have lost some of the maybe creativity. Um, the PGA tour did a great job of taking some of caterers photography from today and comparing it to the 19, I think 33 photos that the club provided us with. And, you know, you just have that huge difference. Same thing with old school McKenzie bunkers where just that free flowing, natural look has been replaced with a much more round and circular but kind of look and but the sumikaseki bunkers are, are deep they're huge and then the, the lips are steep and deep so if you're in the middle of it it's really not a problem but if you do get up against it it can be a big problem but other than that it's a lot like harding park as well frankly where there's just a lot of room between the trees you know if bryson hadn't tested positive it's probably a place that he would have hit driver just about everywhere we've seen rory do that um this week and so in a sense it's hard for guys to separate themselves there's just not a lot of maybe half par holes, not a lot of risk reward. There's not a lot of places to get into trouble. So it's kind of like if you're making putts, you know, you're playing well. And if you're not, you're not, but there's not, yeah, there's not that opportunity for guys to separate themselves. Yeah. I saw uh, Michael was uh, Wolf was tweeting, I guess that the club's planning to blow it all up again as soon as the Olympics are over. And try I did see that. that. I had not heard that. Um, yeah. I think definitely when you look at some of the old photos, there there's i mean the the land is great i did i mean i don't know much about japanese topography but there's a lot of great elevation changes here and i think you get in some um unique bunkering and i mean i it would be it's a great piece of land it is a great layout i think it'd be a great place to play recreationally it's just it's been hard right now for you know again that separation is very tightly packed field right now through through two rounds yeah, it, um, it it seems to be a very a very pretty place for sure, uh, and one that looks to be uh, an enjoyable stroll. Um, I, I it looked like uh, Xander had a very enjoyable stroll today. I, I pulled up the leaderboard um, this morning over my first cup of coffee and was giving it a glance. Like he went pretty low out there. Did you get a chance to watch any of that uh, in the round today? Uh, I've walked a ton with Rory and Colin. Um a great pairing. And that's really what you kind of see with like Rory with quail hollow, same thing here. There's these bunkers that, you know, Colin said that they're perfectly placed for him to hit into Rory's carrying them and then hitting it 40, 50 yards by Colin. And so it was actually, in a sense, it was, it was great to see some kind of old school Rory. There was a stretch where he drove a par four with a, uh, a three wood made birdie hit a 220 yard tee shot on a par three to three feet made birdie. And then um, a, carried a fairway bunker hit it 50 by colin hits a long iron to 15 feet makes eagle and it kind of felt like 2014 2012 rory all over again and he kind of talked about that of just he you know we saw he did the open not off to a great start you know kind of thrilled us with his early saturday moving day performance and then kind of stalled and he talked about how just mentally he just wasn't there and i think i asked him if this course being similar to Akron and Quill Hollow and Torrey kind of has helped him because he can kind of hit it and freewheel it like Rory at his best. And that, and he said that it has, and that, and actually he was not that enthused about the Olympics. I think we all saw the quote that kind of, there wasn't much to look forward to. Obviously he's not here with his family he kind of locked down. Um, and the lack of enthusiasm kind of helped too, because you go into low expectations and then actually that helps free you up as well. And it's something, it's interesting because I, I was looking at the quotes and I, and I wrote about this, about how Rory is freed up right now. But then I, I thought, you know, we've heard this a lot from him over the last five years. It's in a, a constant quest to be freed up and to be less, um, 
wrapped up in results and less uh, inhibited, I guess. You know, it's back to that freewheeling Rory when he would win majors by eight and make it look easy. Um, so who knows how long this will stick or last, but it definitely uh, it's off to a good start, at least this far. Yeah, he's, he's such a different, um, I guess I would say, a different person, a different player than who he was, you know, when he was still winning majors. Uh, I think he will again. But, you know, I was looking at some images of him. Uh, might have been from your, um, your colleague, actually. Uh, you just he, He's got this kind of grizzled look to him now, you know. He, well, he's got he, gray hair. Yeah, I mean, he, he's just – it kind of was jarring. I was – you know, when you see him without the hat, you're like, this is a guy, you know, who's he's married. He's a father. He's uh, he's been through a lot. He's been on this scene for a long time. And um, I just worry, you know, I shouldn't say worry. It's you know, he's doing fine, but he just doesn't seem to be finding a lot of joy in what he's doing. That's at least my perception. Um, you know, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but you know, to me, that seems to be maybe a hindrance for him. The interesting thing too is that so he was paired with Colin and Sungjae. So in his group, he was the old. I mean, he was the old man. He was the guy. You know, now no longer is he the young kid. He is the. You know, now he's the guy who's been around the block trying to stave off that newer generation. So, and and I tweeted this. I'm not ready for Rory to be the old man yet because it also means that we're all very old as well. But I mean, he was the old man in that group. In a sense, you look at Colin you know, Rory can look at Colin and be like, man, I remember what it's like back in my day when I was your age. Cause he was the same thing with two majors in his first two seasons on tour. Um, and so in a sense, I don't know if he's jealous of Colin per se, but I'm sure it definitely looks back fondly on those years, but they were 10 years ago now. Yeah. I mean, he, he like, he's at the point in time where you go back to Kiowa, right? I mean, he's revisiting places that he won majors at, you know, a decade ago um that's a that's a very different phase of your career um and you know i I do think he will continue to be um you know a a massively important part of the you know the tour and um it probably will win some more majors it just there's something i don't know there's a look there that i that something just seems amiss I, i i can't quite figure it out but i you know He's, he's very wise too. You know, I've enjoyed his, his commentary and, um, um, you know, he, he seems to be a very thoughtful person and, and, you know, we've seen some of that this week too. Uh, well, I think, hold I'm going to compare him here to Billy Horschel and just hold on a second. It'll make sense. I think, but I look at, you know, remember Horschel, what finished that year he won the FedEx cup. He finished, I think second in Boston. Then he won the last two events yeah. and has obviously not been able to replicate that stretch of golf um, since he's won tournaments you know, he's won a world golf championship this year. He's top 25 in the world. He's top 50 every year in the world. Obviously had a, a great career that most people would kill for, but you have to think that at some level that torments you that, you know, somewhere in there is that golf to almost win three very strong events in a row, but you can't do it again. And so with a sense, same thing with Rory of somewhere in there is that golf to win majors by eight shots, to win three tournaments in a row, to win two majors in a four week span but you can't do it. And it's so in some ways that I feel like that would have to torment you. It's like, if you're a, you know, let's say you're a scratch handicap and you go out and you shoot 65 back-to-back rounds. So, you know, somewhere that golf is in you, but you can't quite get back to that level. It's uh, you're glad it happened, but it's also just frustrating that you can't do it again. And I, I got to think that, you know, golfers are golfers, whether they're professional golfers or 
five handicaps or 10 handicaps. Um, and I've got to think that drives them crazy a little bit. I, I definitely sense that. I think that's one of the reasons that I've kind of grown um, in my love for Rory of late is he, I can see a little bit of that in him. And, um, you know, I was telling you, you know, earlier, I'm playing in a tournament this weekend. Uh, it's going to be my last tournament before we have our second child. And, you know, it's very frustrating for me as, you know, on my level, like I, I've won a lot of these things before in the past on the local level and had a great time. And I've, I've played some really good golf in my life, but now that, you know, with kids and on and on business, I mean, it, it's just, I, I, it's, it's very hard to go out there and know what you need to do and just not be able to do it. And, and yep. I think that that does endear me a little bit to him. You mentioned um, Sanjay in the group. Um, how's the vibe with a guy like that? I mean, it seems like he's put a lot of pressure on himself to, you know, try to meddle this week. Doesn't seem to be going his way so far. You know, it's hard to tell what's going on with Sanjay and Siwoo just because um, they just, they're men of a few words. And obviously there's the language barrier. You know, they said they don't think about it. Um, I would have to think that they do. I thought that Daniel Rappaport at Golf Digest wrote a great piece about uh, putting the military requirement into a greater context and then too reminding us what it did to Sang Moon Bay's game and Sung Yil No's game and um, guys who won on tour before they went in the military and now can't crack an egg. And, you know, this isn't like, you know, Ben Hogan in World War II um, playing golf with the, you know, um, with the admirals at the base or, you know, pushing yeah. paperwork and practicing in the afternoon. And this is um, Sang Moon talked about living in the barracks and, you know, not having, you didn't, you don't have a, a personal life. You are serving in the military 24 seven. You're not, you know, you've lived this life of luxury on tour and now you're, you know, bunking with a bunch of guys in the same room. So it's, it's not, I mean, it, it, Sung, Sung Jae and Siwoo have both, you know, they reached higher levels than Sung Yil No and um, Sang Moon, but at the same time you saw what it did to the, I mean, it basically ended those guys' careers and yeah. they have, I mean, there's a high sense of duty, obviously to serve your country, but also you have to know that it could be a career killer. Yeah, that's that's very tough. I can't imagine. Um, there's just no one else really. There's nowhere else in the world that really has anything like that, especially from a golf perspective. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty crazy. What about you know your boy Hideki? How are how's he doing over there? What's the what's the word on the ground about the uh, great champion of Japan? Um, you know, it's interesting, and some would consider him the best player of all time. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, Hideki, the easy storyline with Hideki is that he's playing for Japan. And I think that's sort of a easy English speaking media story because Hideki is a man of few words in any language. Uh, the Japanese media say that he's a man of few words in, in their language. So it's not just a matter of the language barrier, but also just personality wise. He's just a very serious, straightforward kind of guy. Um, and so it's easy just every time he's in contention in America to make the story about how he's playing for Japan, what it would mean for Japan. But really Hideki doesn't care about that per se. Um, he cares about performing because he's an athlete. He cares about playing well. He cares about winning because he wants to win tournaments because he's a competitor. And, but I do think you've seen a little bit this week about the pressure. It's, it's a combination of, I think some pressure. We saw it with Osaka 
Um, she talked about it in the tennis, the pressure to represent Japan, but I think also then not as much pressure, but just annoyance about being asked the same question for the 800th time, which she's been getting constantly since, since the masters. Um, and then also surprising, you know, talking to him and then Shigeki Mariyama, who's, uh, there is their captain. It sounds like Hideki had a, a decently rough bout with COVID and energy was an issue. So, you know, he came out the first day, birdied four of his last eight holes, figured he'd win by 12 and we'd all go home and, um, that would be that. Um, but then he played the last 10 holes two over and shot 69, but he was rolling before the rain delay, uh, that hit Friday night. We had two rain delays actually Friday. It's summer in Japan here is very similar to summer in Florida. It's about 90 degrees. Um, afternoon thunderstorms are pretty constant. They can come out of nowhere. And so we had two of those. The second round wasn't finished and, and Hideki has a couple holes left. He's a couple shots off the lead. So he went low in the second round and, and kind of recovered, but I think with no fans, there's less pressure on him, but I think just it's a tournament that he's been asked about for years and especially a ton in the last few months. And I think that that's just, that weighs on you a little bit. Well, you know, is there a, um, or let me put a better way to put it is how, how does he resonate, you know, on the ground there just in Japan? I mean, is it, um, do you see a lot of Hideki things when you're going around? I mean, is it talked about, you know, ad nauseum or, uh, or is that something we're inflating just over here? We see Hideki bobbleheads, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I mean, he's huge. I mean, golf is huge in Japan and, you know, they flock to success. I think I, I still, from what I can ascertain, um, and it's probably changed. I think it's changed over the years a little bit, but up until a few years ago, Rio was still Ishikawa was still the bigger celebrity. Like he was mainstream. Hmm. Um, he was, he had busted outside of just the golf circle. Whereas Hideki was still kind of your hardcore, you know, golf fan. They were the people that knew about Hideki. I, it's almost like maybe a tiger. Well, tiger is a different animal, but, Maybe I, I'm, tr I can't really think of an owner now, but someone, someone who's not quite crossed over the mainstream, but, um, yeah. golf fans know. And Rory, I was probably Sab Rory Sabatini perhaps. Well, no, bigger than that, but, <laughs> um, yeah, but no, but Hideki ever since winning the, the major has, uh, I mean, he transcends golf and I mean, you winning the prime minister award when you return, I mean, he's a hero in golf. He's the, he's the greatest golfer of all time in a golf mad country. So I think that's, yeah. um, what you, I think that says it all. Yeah. Um, what about Team USA? How How's our contingency doing over there? Captain uh, America, is he flying around? Uh, what's he up to? You know, it's interesting. I have to credit Sean Zock wrote an amazing story. He actually, during a rain delay on Thursday, he walked in with Patrick Reed. Uh, Patrick didn't take a cart. And he got some good stuff from Patrick about kind of the genesis of this Team USA stuff. I think we all thought it started in 2014 at, at Glen Eagles when he shushed the crowd and he beat Henrik Stenson and all this stuff. But um, he actually told a really good story about Patrick's other brother-in-law. So Kessler's brother, he served in Afghanistan and served in a, a very violent part of Afghanistan was um, a subject or was one of the subjects of a documentary on that area has spoken publicly about it and has spoken to Patrick about it. And so Patrick said he's been very impacted by those stories. And so when he can represent his country in the way that he can, in his fear, he's not going to 
pick up a, you know, an AK-47 or something and go join the military. But if he can represent his country in, in his sphere and play golf for them, he's going to do it. So I thought that was a really well done story and kind of revealed, you know, maybe a deeper side of the whole Captain America persona. Um, but USA in general, I mean, they had three of the top five players in the world. They had the three highest ranked players in the field. You know, I kind of tongue in cheek for them as the dream team. And obviously it's still an individual sport and a very unpredictable sport. But I think right now it's, it's been a, a disappointing performance for team USA Xander's leading after two rounds, but then next best is Patrick and Colin at T25 and, and Justin Thomas is way back there. Just unable to make some putts on what's been a low scoring week. So right now, you know, this is uh, Sean Zock and I were talking about it. We, he compared it to the 2004 Olympic basketball team that kind of flamed out in Athens. You know, there's still two rounds left and a lot to see, but um, and, and play for, but as of right now, it's, it's been a little bit of a, a disappointing performance. You know, I, I, I was thinking about Patrick Reed today, and I I think a lot of us like to poke fun at him, and, you know, there's a lot to poke fun at. Um, but I, I do commend the guy. I mean, he got, you know, he got the notification that, you know, Bryson's out pretty much at the last minute. And, you know, you think about how many of the top players – have opted not to represent their country in these games, you know, from the golf side. Um, you know, so I, I commend him. I mean, from what I gather, he looks like he hopped on a commercial plane, flew all the way over, didn't get to play a practice round and jumped right into the tournament. And um, I, I, I commend that. I, I think that's, there's something there that um, is pretty cool and, 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 and should be, you know, added to his uh, permanent record, so to speak, because, I've, I've been disappointed, you know, with the number of players that have opted out. And I get, you know, all of the COVID protocols and things like that. But I, to me, it, you know, there, a lot of people kind of bemoan the whole Olympic golf thing. And I, I just – I don't get it. I, I think it's neat. I think it's cool for golf. I think it's an opportunity to let, you know, some people have um, a pretty cool experience. I think, you know, it's, it can be something that, you know, is great. I've enjoyed watching it you know, at night. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on just on, on the state of Olympic golf and, you know, what we should or shouldn't be taking into account on that front? Yeah, I think it's, and I'm going to make another tour centric uh, comparison here, but bear with me. I think it's a good one. It's sort of like the FedEx cup. And here's what I mean. You know, the FedEx cup comes along in 2007 and a bunch of the players competing in it, the FedEx cup has never been a goal of theirs. You know, it's been the four majors win tournaments and that's it. So now this new thing comes along. They've never really considered winning. They never dreamt about winning. They never thought about winning. Uh, it feels contrived and it takes a few years. Now we're 15 years in. So almost all of the players competing now, the FedEx cup existed before they turned pro. So they knew when they got on tour that the FedEx cup was a thing to win you know, whether it's because you want to win a lot of money or you want to just win a title or you just want to win because you're a professional athlete and you're competitive and you want to win everything you can win, whether it's tiddlywinks or $15 million or whatnot. Um, it's just, it's part of the landscape. And so when you get your tour card, you know that, Hey, the thing that at the end of the year that we're going to be judged by, I'm going to keep my card by, I'm going to get into tournaments by is the FedEx cup. And so you're in, um, and you, you've bought in and you want to compete. And I think the same thing with the Olympics. I think it's why you're seeing, you know, Colin came, he's 24. Justin Thomas is here. He's 27. Xander's here. He's 27 as well. And I think you'll continue to see this is that 
the Olympics were named into golf before these guys turn pro. And so again, it's part of the, uh, the landscape. So now, you know, a kid in high school right now, he's like, he's watching Colin Morikawa and Rory and Justin playing for the gold medal. And he looks up to those guys. And so it's like, well, they played for it. I want to play for it. And then also, I think this happened with Justin Rose of, he started bringing the gold medal around and guys who didn't go were like, well, shoot, like, I want that. And you see someone else win it and you're like, well, I wish I had played for it. Um, you know, Xander said in his, uh, that leading into the Olympics, he asked himself, am I going to regret it if I don't go? And the final answer was, yes, I will regret it. So I do think that that will, over the years, will lead, now that the Olympics is part of the landscape, it's part of, you know, it's one of the big prizes you can win. I think you'll see younger players buy in. Then you throw in the fact also that the next Olympics is in Paris. The one after that is in Los Angeles. Um, Just like Tokyo was easier logistically than Rio, even with COVID. I think guys are just more accustomed to going to Asia than South America. And that helped guys come here it's easier to go to Europe than it is to Asia for a lot of guys. And so they'll go to Paris. And then for most of the guys who are playing the PGA tour, it's really easy to go to Los Angeles and they're playing it at Riviera, I believe. Um, so really, I think the guys that are based in the States will have no excuse not to go. Yeah. And so I think it will continue to improve. And I do think, you know, you have like Rory, you saw the um, video of Rory leaving Royal St. George. And he's like, there's nothing to look forward to. And he said he was doing it because he felt like it was the right thing to do. There was not a lot of enthusiasm in that. And he admitted today that he was indifferent. But then, um, you know, he or you've had a lot of guys who are staying in the apartments with other of their countrymen. And so they're all watching the sports together. So, you know, the U.S. team hung out with the U.S. basketball team. Tommy Fleetwood's talked about watching, you know, British athletes competing for medals. And he's watching alongside the other British athletes. And they're all just going crazy rooting on these people. And so it's kind of like a college experience for a lot of these guys. Um, and you know, look, I'm staying in a hotel an hour outside of Tokyo. I've been in the city about twice now to, you know, pick up some stuff that I need and coming in from the airport. And it still feels like the Olympics of just people, you know, running around from different countries and different languages. And, um, it still has that very international feel. Um, and, and so it's still, even with COVID protocols and all this other stuff, it, it still just feels different and, and feels special. And so, you know, when hopefully I would hope and assume in 2024, there's no COVID protocols, um, guys will be even more eager to, to go. Yeah. No, I think that's a great, uh, great perspective. Uh, if you haven't written that column, you probably should. That's really good. Uh, well, you, you heard it here folks. Um, but yeah, I like that, and I and I and I think you're onto something there. That you know, this this next generation that's going to mean um, increasingly more to, and you definitely see that with the FedEx Cup. So, what about you know, from a journalist perspective, covering? Uh, I'm assuming this is your first Olympics, right? It is. It definitely yes. It how is. how how does that rank in your you know pantheon of experiences in your career so far? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I've been here. I got here Friday. We had to quarantine uh, until Tuesday was our first day that we were allowed out. Um, just some unforeseen circumstances. There really wasn't at the golf course for very long. And then Wednesday was kind of my first full day. And it's been good. I mean, there, there are no spectators here, which is a bummer from a competition standpoint. But from a selfish standpoint, it's been great run around watching Colin and Rory and Justin Thomas play golf with no one else on the golf course. Um, 
so that's been enjoyable. There's not a lot of media here. There was definitely much more media here for the first round, and I assume same for the fourth round. Um, but today was pretty empty, and so you know we just had a nice five-person chat with Rory for quite a few minutes, and he was great and gave a lot of good answers. Same with Colin and and Justin and other guys. So you know sometimes these big events access is a problem. You know usually to major with so many people there trying to talk to the bigger names it can be hard to get a question in or especially to get a follow-up but yeah i mean even for rory today there were i think five of us talking to him and it was a great conversation and felt like catching him at a, a much smaller event yeah that's very cool i i get the sense you know even again this morning going through the leaderboard looking at some of the highlights um you know from the second round i i remember watching in 2016 in rio and, you know, it seemed like kind of a normal golf tournament for the first three rounds. And then by the time you got to Sunday, all of a sudden, you know, that dynamic of having the three medals became really interesting um, to me. You know, Kuchar in perfect Kuchar fashion, you know, kind of backdoored the bronze, which was which was hilarious. But there was a sense of pride in it. I, I found myself actively rooting for him like, hey, this is cool. I want America to grab a medal here and he's got a chance to do it. And um, you know, the, the great battle between uh, Rose and Stinson was a ton of fun to watch. And I'm hopeful that uh, by the time we get to Sunday's final round, we'll get some real, um, you know, we got a tight leaderboard already, but I think we'll get some real um, interesting scenarios developing that uh, make everybody start to, to gravitate to tuning in and seeing where this thing shakes out. I think it's gonna be pretty fun at the end. Well, the other interesting thing is so out of the right now, you've got 19 guys at five under or better and the only country with two players in that group is ireland and you know you got xander in, in first place from the united states after that you've got carlos ortiz of mexico uh mito Pereira of chile alex noren of sweden sep Straka of austria you got you know jazz from thailand in seventh um you've got slovakia native rory sabatini in 11th Venezuela's Jonathan Vegas in 11th, Colombia's Sebastian Munoz, Italy's Guido Miglizioli. And the point is you have not only a wide variety of countries, but also a wide variety of countries that are not golfing powerhouses and countries for whom any medal is a big deal because they don't get a ton of them. And so, you know, Xander might win gold by five and Hideki might win silver or vice versa, I say, Hedeki wins gold by 10 and Xander finishes second. Um, but there's a good chance that maybe that silver or even that bronze goes to someone from Chile or Austria or, you know, um, Slovakia even. And that's a huge deal for that country. And, you know, an Olympic, uh, an Olympic medal translates across, you know, all sports and across, uh, across a population you know, in, in every country, everyone knows what the Olympic medal means. Um, you know, not everyone knows what the claret jug means or what the green jacket means, but everyone knows an Olympic medal means. And so for some of those countries to have an Olympic medal and something that, you know, kind of everyone can relate to is, is huge for that sport. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, I, I'm excited to see where it shakes out and I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of rooting for some of the maybe underdog nations to make a run there and, uh, get in that fight for the medal. I think I think it's going to be pretty cool, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what other uh, words you put to uh, put to paper. Uh, well, digital paper, we'll call it uh, between now and then. 
And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip. And, you know, don't, don't uh, use up all your, um, you know, time watching Ted Lasso. Well, I already rolled through those 10 episodes. So I've, I'm done with that. And they're great. Uh, repeat views. It's, true. it's like mid am crisis. I'll download both for my 13 hour flight. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, I know you're just getting late over there in your uh, neck of the world right now. So uh, I'll let you uh, uh, brush off to, to bed or writing or whatever you got to do. But uh, I look forward to catching up when you get back stateside and hearing how the rest of the trip went. Sounds good. Thanks, bud. All right, buddy. Be See good. You.